Welcome to The Unstoppable Singer. I'm your host, Danielle Tucker, a professional vocalist, vocal coach, and a lead singer of the Mighty Untouchables Band. I'm also the producer and host of the Pandemic Proof Singer Summit and The Unstoppable Singer. The Unstoppable Singer follows the lives of real professional singers who've made incredible achievements in their lives and careers. We cover everything from voice work, making money, booking gigs, songwriting, recording, session work, and more. If you haven't yet, hit that subscribe button so you never miss another podcast. Now on with the show. I have an incredible guest tonight. I am so incredibly excited to talk with him. It's Connor Warren Smith. Connor is an LA-based performer, studio vocalist, arranger, and composer. His voice has appeared in major motion pictures like Spider-Man, No Way Home, and Mulan. I'm sure you've heard of those. Television shows like American Horror Story, the Blacklist, studio albums, video games, Disney recordings, and more. And in 2018, he was signed to Disney Music Group, uh, releasing an album with Disney's critically acclaimed acapella group, De Capella, um, the following year. And he's performed across the globe from renowned concert halls and recording studios to the stages of Universal Studios, Hollywood, and the Disneyland Resort. Um, notably, he reprised the role of everyone's favorite snowman, Olaf, in Disney California Adventures production of Frozen. Um, Connor has had the immense pleasure of working with music icons like Olivia Rodrigo, um, Rosalia, The Weeknd, Camila Cabello, Michael Buble, Dick Van Dyke, Jody Benson, Brad Kane, just to name a few. Um, we have so much to talk about about tonight. He obviously has done quite a lot in his career, and I think he's just barely getting started. So let's bring him on right away. Welcome, Connor. Hello. Thank you for that intro. Wow. You know, I, I had I had all of the information on you, and I thought, well, how can I keep this concise? Well, I can't because <laughs> it's, it's too much good stuff. I don't want to cut uh, anything out. Oh, thank you. Everybody needs to know how cool you are. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's get started. Uh, lately, I've been starting this show by just asking, why don't you give us a 2021 recap, how things uh, went for you last year, and how's 2022 starting out for you? Yeah, I mean, I think so many people's like careers got thrown for a total loop with um, the pandemic and just trying to figure out like what what am I going to do? And, um, thankfully I had, you know, some experience like recording myself already. Like I did have a small home studio set up, um, prior to the, the big shutdown and everything. But I would say like early 2020 in that, like panic of what are we going to do was really when I kind of like really dove into like, how can I make my home studio like great and not just like equipment wise, but also like learn the skills required to be like my own vocal producer and to just like diversify. Yeah. Um, 
So I, I've been spending a lot of time doing that in the last year and a half or so. And, you know, now that work seems to be back to normal ish, mm -hmm. um, think things are great. And I have a lot of new skill sets that I didn't have, yeah. um, before. So I'm, I'm grateful for that. Um, but this year so far has, has actually been pretty great so far work-wise for me. Like I, you know, it's kind of just been pedal to the metal and, and nonstop. I think so many people have put their projects on hold for mm -hmm. so long that now it's just like, go, 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 go. We got to make up for all this lost time. So yeah, it's been, it's been pretty crazy in a great way. Yeah. Oh, I'm so happy to hear that. Would you say that you're doing more um, studio work now or, or are your live performances taking off again too? It's pretty evenly split, honestly, which I mm. love for my own like life variety sake. Um, mm. You know, so, you know, I might have one or two sessions and also like a day at Disneyland or a corporate gig or something like that in a week. So it, it just, it kind of balances out. It seems like it's about 50, 50 right now. Yeah, that's great. Well, I know you, you do have such a, um, oh gosh, you've got such a diverse, um, skill set, you know, you, you're, you're just an, obviously an incredibly educated museum or museum musician, <laughs> you're not a museum, I promise. Not a museum. <laughs> Um, so that makes for such a great career because you're never doing the same thing all the time. So there's, you know, I've always found when you can kind of go down so many different channels, you really reduce your risk of getting burned out on what it is that yeah. you're doing. Everything kind of seems fresh all the time. That was some of the earliest advice that was ever given to me when I was trying to like find my way and like, how do you have a career as a musician? Because I think for people that are not in the music industry, there's this narrative of like the starving artist mm -hmm. or the superstar. And it's like one or the other. And that is really not the case at all. Like there mm -hmm. are so many people out there making quality, good livings, able to buy houses, raise families, working in this industry that are not Lady Gaga or are not homeless. Like there is so much in between. And um, one of the best pieces of advice to find that middle road um, that I received was to have as many quality streams of revenue as you can. And, you know, it, it does become a bit of a juggling act because then you try to like, you don't, you don't want to do too many things because then you confuse people as to like what you are able to do. Yeah. Um, but if you are able to do several things well, then when one of those things goes away, you're still okay because you have this going on and you got this going on and you got this going on. Mm -hmm. um, so I try to do it all. <laughs> Amen and hallelujah. We can pretty much stop the interview there because yeah. <laughs> everything you just said is everything that this program is about is that is the whole point of the driving force behind this uh, really is to um, let artists out there know that you don't have to, you don't have to subscribe to the starving artist mentality. When we're young, we see what we see in, in, in the media. Um, and when we think about becoming singers, musicians, we think, okay, getting on the radio, you know, having an album, doing, doing those um, types of things. Um, the radio is not really even a thing anymore. I don't think, but you know what I mean? Uh, and what very, very few young people know is that there are so many channels in the music industry, mm -hmm. so many channels available to singers 
alone. Yeah. Um, and I think, uh, you know, to heighten the awareness of what those opportunities are is really important, especially with everything that we've just been through. It's true. And, and social media has also done a great job of helping yeah. that just because mm -hmm. of the visibility of all of these things. Someone can see, oh, you know, Connor does corporate events where he's singing Motown and then he can write choir music and then he's at church and then he's at Disney. And so it's like all of these things make up a, a expansive career. It's not yeah. just one or the other. Um, so, yeah, you know, I, I've always kind of subscribed to the mindset of like you walk through the doors that are opened to you. And, you know, I have this idea of what I want to do and who I want to be and where I want my career to go. But mm -hmm. at the end of the day, like I am just walking through the doors that are that are ahead of me and it's worked out so well or it's worked out so far. <laughs> It sure has. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. And I, I definitely, I want to, I want to talk about your vision for where you see things going for you. But before we do that, let's back up a little bit for and sure. tell me a little bit about where your musical journey began and, and what it's been like for you. How, what kind of um, education did you pursue and how did you get your start? Yeah. So I think I have just, I've always been attached to my voice and like at its basic level, singing makes me happy. And yeah. like that, that mindset right there has kind of driven so many of my passions in my entire life. So I, I grew up in church. I started singing in church, um, contemporary worship band, um, middle school choir, high school choir, musical theater. Um, but where I really kind of like dove into, um, finding my own voice was in um, this community choir called the Gary Bonner Singers, which my high school accompanist was, I mean, my high school choir director was the accompanist for. Okay. And they were in need of tenors. And so I was uh, 16 at the time and it's, a, it's an all adult group. But so this was the first time that I'd been like around great singers, like great adult singers. Obviously I had great high school singers with me, but like people that were like developed voices and I just loved it. Um, and so I sang in that group for, for a couple of years, went to the college that the director, um, Dr. Bonner taught at. Mm -hmm. And at that school, I really, um, you know, I was hungry to travel, to grow, to learn. Um, and I really enjoyed my time there. I studied uh, music composition mm -hmm. and I stayed for a master's degree in conducting all while really focusing on vocal stuff. So mm -hmm. it was, you know, running groups, singing in concerts, arranging music. Um, I, I loved it. And um, so that kind of background was very much in, you know, contemporary Christian music. Right. And I, you know, I'd, I'd always been like exposed to like pop music and secular music. And then like I watched American Idol and Glee. So I like had an understanding of all of that, but it, it wasn't like my roots. Mm -hmm. So when I uh, graduated from CBU and kind of got like thrust into the real world, there were a lot of blanks, blank spaces in my like musical education huh. in terms of like pop um 
and pop culture music that uh, have been filled in since then. And it's uh, it's just one of those things that I said of like walking through the doors that are open. So yeah. when I'm trying to figure out, you know, I'm, I'm 24 years old, no idea what I'm going to do. Mm -hmm. Like, how am I going to make money? I know I'm good at singing, but I have no idea what we're going to do. Um, and somebody says, hey, can you do this gig? It's all Motown songs. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I don't know any Motown, but <laughs> yes, let's learn it all. Uh, and then somebody's like, oh, I need you next week to do a Spanish set. Sure, let's do it. Um, and just being a yes person and, you know, taking things on. Um, so, so yeah, I, after, after college is when I started like really hitting the ground running and auditioning for everything that I could. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, asking people like, tell me your career path. How did you get where you're going? What are the things that you're doing to provide for yourself? Um, and it was through that, that I found out about Disney auditions and, um, you know, it's kind of just been a, a snowball effect after that but i try mm -hmm. to apply the same mentality of giving a hundred percent of yourself to everything that you do no matter how small you might think it is yeah because you never know who's in the audience or who you're working with and i think one of the only reasons i got hired at disney was because i had just done a gig um that the music director that hired me was at and uh -huh. So he saw me at this small little gig that I was like, you know, who knows what this is for. And then when I showed up at the audition next week, he was like, you look familiar. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, you never you never know who's watching, who's listening. And if you can put 100% of your effort into everything that you do, um, you know, things will hopefully work out. <laughs> Yeah. I love that you shared that because that's that's something that is a through line with every successful musician, singer that I know, that I know their backstory of is that one little thing leads to another, leads mm -hmm. to another, leads to another. And being impeccable with the way you do your work, like you said, is so important because you just, you never know your, your reputation starts from gig number one and it, it continues to follow you. And I'm sure, you know, you know, we've heard horror stories about, you know, certain people, even like bad behavior on one single gig can follow you and haunt you for sure. eternity, you know, and it, it works, it really works both ways. Sure. I mean, it's the same thing with when you hear people talk about celebrities or whatever, and they're like, oh, that I've heard that person's not nice. Yeah. And I just yeah. want to say like, well, maybe they just had a bad day. Yeah. But now that like is following them with all of those people's friends. Yeah. So like, you know, you got to be I on know. your best behavior at all You really times. do. You really do. Watch yourself. Um, so when you were, um, when you were going through all of your schooling um, and getting educated, what, what was your vision that you had? Where did you in your mind, where did you think things were going to go? Like, what was that driving force behind getting all of the school? Sure. In my head, my career was going to be, you're going to get your master's and then you're going to move to Nashville and you're going to pursue a career in like Christian songwriting. Mm -hmm. I've never really had the desire to be like a star or like the, the artist. Um, I much prefer to be in a like supporting role to that. Um, I, I feel 
like a, a, a leadership in that field area. Mm -hmm. Um, but I myself don't like, I'm not pining for the spotlight kind of, kind of thing. Um, so I, I had anticipated, um, you know, going out there, becoming a, a songwriter and, um, choir, uh, arranger. Um, Mm -hmm. and I had some inroads that were, potentially going to be working them their themselves out mm-hmm. um in my last few years at CBU but um you know the I, I feel like I always end up going to this story in these interviews so we don't have to like dwell here too too long yeah. but um when I had just finished at CBU um I basically had decided that it, I, it could go one of two ways. And mm-hmm. I, if I was going to go into Christian music, I had to be there a hundred percent. And at the, I think things are like hopefully changing, but at the time it was like, you definitely cannot be an out gay man in mm-hmm. this industry and right. thrive. So yeah. it was either I pursue where, you know, my passion is, but I, am lying about who I am and Mm. I'm going to be unhappy romantically Mm -hmm. or I give this dream up and figure something else out. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm being true to myself and, you know, not lying. (laughs) So so I decided to come out of the closet and kind of let the chips fall where they were. which was kind of exactly where I anticipated them falling. I, I mm-hmm. lost most of my connections and um, the potential jobs that I had. Um, there's still really, you know, only a handful of people that I stay really in contact with from that time in my life. And I kind of developed a bit of a chip, chip on my shoulder about the whole thing. And it's taken me a long time to get past that. Yeah. Um, and not feel like I have to constantly prove myself to mm-hmm. the people from that time in my life, which I am. I, you know, it's it's still a struggle, but I feel like I yeah. am. I am definitely past the the hardest part of it. Mm-hmm. Um. So, you know that that's kind of where I saw my career originally going. Mm-hmm. Um. And then I I had to pivot, and I pretty much started completely over. But the uh, training that I had and the drive that I had that I had developed over all of my time um, Mm -hmm. in the Christian music world, you know, I I still have all of that. I have all of the lessons that I learned. Um, And, you know, things have certainly worked out. So I'm not bitter. (laughs) Yeah. I know if you if you had only known back then what you know now. Yeah. But how incredibly courageous of you to move in that direction, especially, you know, at such a young age. But then again, at the same time, you were still at an age where you'd already built this network, you'd you'd already built a foundation for where you were going with things. And as musicians, that's everything for us. Mm -hmm. That's, that's the platform that we, you know, get all of our opportunities and our work from. Um, So was there, did you feel there was some sort of a turning point that led you to make that decision. What had an opportunity come to you that you had to, there were, there were a a handful of arrangements that I had that were slated to be published um, by a Christian music publisher. And 
they had heard some rumors that I and one of my co-writers were both gay and they pulled them from publishing. That was one. But then the other was that um, my school was really trying to get me connected with a, uh, a music pastor job. And so I kept meeting with different pastors at churches um, and, you know, they would be so excited about everything that I could bring to their church and, you know, what my vision would be for their program. And then at some point in all of those meetings, I would say, so tell me about your stance on affirming theology. And uh -huh. then just the whole room would change and record scratch. All of, exactly. All of a sudden it's like, <laughs> oh, maybe you're not the right fit for this after all. And that just became too difficult of a conversation to have after having mm -hmm. it over and over and over again. So yeah. I, um, at the time I had, you know, I had a lot invested in my YouTube channel. I was, um, I had done a lot of things on YouTube. Um, and I said, you know what, I need, I need to come out. Like I need to just make something one and done. Mm -hmm. We're putting it out there and then I don't have to have this conversation anymore. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I made a coming out video and that is kind of what uh, like really snapped. Yeah. At the time, it, it went viral for at least what I would consider my content to be mm -hmm. viral. It wasn't like, you know, millions and millions and millions of views, but um, it was definitely up there. And I think if you still are searching for like gay Christian on YouTube, it's like one of the ones. Yeah. Um, and so that that video kind of sparked a big uh, a big change. Mm -hmm. And then so fast forward to today, um, are you still involved in church music at all? Or is that just is that um, an avenue you no longer pursue? I guess. And the reason I guess I'm asking that is, do you feel like that is a um, an industry that has progressed to a point? where you have a place that you feel comfortable and yeah. that you belong in. You know, it really depends because uh, just like any other, um, you know, group of people, whether it's political or whatever, there's a, a vast spectrum of mm -hmm. people within any instance. And so like Christianity has so many different denominations, some of which are very welcoming and, um, you know, embracing of people from different backgrounds and different minor belief systems within the whole thing. Mm -hmm. And um, so there, there are certainly places out there. Um, and I, my first time singing back in church was in October of 2020. And um, if you've heard of Hour of Power, it's a show on TB, TBN. Mm -hmm. um, they, their church is down in Irvine and they asked me to come be a guest artist and I was a little tentative at first, just because, mm -hmm. you know, I was like, I, I have had a few traumatic experiences in church settings, uh, especially like right before I came out and then right after. So I, you know, I, I was a little iffy about it, but I decided to do it. And um, I've been, I had jumped in a few other times for, for about a year um, after that first time. And it was just a really, uh, healing experience to mm -hmm. be around a group of people that were so embracing and welcoming and weren't going to ask me like uncomfortable questions. And, um, 
it's been a, a really powerful thing for me to be be there. Um, in July of this last of 2021, they they offered me a spot as a staff singer in their choir. So I'm there every week now and um, have really built a, a little community and a little family um, over there. So I, I feel like it really is exactly what I needed mm -hmm. to have, you know, that part of my past and my, uh, you know, really my musical upbringing to get to use that in marry it to my like work in TV and film. Right. And find a, a, a place where I could combine both of those things and, and feel welcome and at home. And yeah. uh, I'm very, very happy to be there. Yeah. That's great. I love that for you. I love, I love that it came kind of full circle for you, you mm -hmm. know, in that regard. And just, um, I am certain that you're a huge inspiration for so many people because of the steps, you know, that you, you did take. And today you find yourself pretty much, um, you're kind of living the singer's dream, especially <laughs> for working singers, you know, you, your, your opportunities, um, they just, they don't really get any bigger than that. I mean, you just did a major motion picture. Um, yeah. Spider-Man. I, I'm still giddy about Spider-Man. Like it's so cool. Yeah. Tell us that story. How did that come to be? Um, yeah. So I, I, I'm pretty sure Spider-Man is one of the first m films since COVID to have a big choir again. Mm -hmm. Um, and it, we were all kind of just like in awe of, of that moment. And I think any, any like studio singer can tell you like their first session back after this whole big break is just like tears and it's like yeah. so <laughs> cathartic and emotional and like weird and amazing um yeah and spider-man was definitely one of those ex one of those experiences because there's a lot of singers out there that like the the big choral sessions that is their bread and butter mm -hmm. and so when that went away and you know, choir really was something that people were really iffy about for a really long time. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and so for those of us that, you know, choir is a huge part of our lives and our careers that that was hard. Yeah. Um, so Spider-Man was really special for all of us to walk into that room. And, uh, you know, we were all set up in our own booth. It wasn't like we're all on the risers mm -hmm. uh, shoulder to shoulder. We were all in our own little cubicle but we're still all in the same room. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, it was amazing. Those, those sessions are stressful mm -hmm. and very satisfying because yeah. they're go, 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 go. Um, for Spider-Man, I think we had like maybe three, four, four hours to get through the whole thing. So there were some cues where it was just like, we don't have time for rehearsal. You better read it right the first time. <laughs> Let's go. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, that is, that will make anybody get a little nervous, but, uh, it's really also, you know, you just feel satisfied and proud at the end of the day. It's like, yeah, we did that. Yeah. Oh, that's incredible. Total, definitely OMG moment, you know, of your career. Yeah. Um, I I'm curious to know once you kind of took your turn a few years back and decided to pursue this other path, what were some of those, uh, landmark moments for you where, where you received an opportunity maybe that told you 
this is going to happen for me. You know, things are starting to happen for me. What, what did that look like for you? Um, it was definitely decapella. Um, okay. yeah, I, so in, it was, uh, 2018 and, um, I got a record deal with Disney music group, um, with signed with a group called decapella. Mm -hmm. And, um, that, that was my, like, oh my gosh, this is happening. Like I, I can do this mm -hmm. kind of a uh, uh, moment. And at the same time, that group also taught me a massive lesson because I released an album with them mm -hmm. and then I was cut from the group. Mm -hmm. And that was one of those situations where like, I would say professionally that stung more than anything else. Mm -hmm. I, I, except maybe coming out in the sure. of friends. but um, <laughs> those coming out that, uh, you know, because it was my dream, you know, yeah. grew up listening to Disney. And, um, so when I was, you know, cut from that group, it, it, uh, definitely made me kind of like take a step back and, and, you know, that, that Hollywood experience of, you know, mm -hmm somebody's telling you that you're going to be a star one day and then the next it's like oh, actually we're we're going a different direction <laughs> oh, wow. but eventually you know you just learn that that is how this game goes and sometimes you're not the right person for mm -hmm. a project and that's okay mm -hmm. and because there will be a project out there that you are perfect for right and you know i i've have just started getting into contracting a little bit and um it's difficult to have like those conversations with somebody if they're like you know why why wasn't i right or you know and sometimes mm -hmm. all really all you can say is it's not that you're bad it's just that yeah. you're not right for this but it doesn't right. mean you won't be right for the next thing mm -hmm. so yeah. um you know pick your pick yourself up and be resilient and don't give up. Yeah. Keep looking for those open doors. Like you said, yeah. they're there Absolutely. if you're, if you're keeping your eyes open for them. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, so tell me, um, of course, post 2020, early 21, what is the day in the life like for you, or maybe the week in the life with the various projects that you're involved with? How does sure. that work? Um, you know, it, it's always crazy. If people looked at my calendar, they would <laughs> have a heart attack. Uh, because, you know, one day I might, uh, I might have a, a day at Disneyland where I am a cast member performer. Um, and then I might have a session that I record from home. Um, might have a couple voiceover auditions. Um, then, uh, I have been doing quite a bit of, of wedding band, party band gigs, mm -hmm. So sometimes those are traveling, sometimes those are not. Um, mm -hmm. But you know, those are so fun because yeah. we're just doing everybody's favorite songs. And if it's a wedding, everybody's happy, hopefully. Um, and, <laughs> yeah. um, so so uh, I'm doing those, um, you know, and, and at least right now in this season of, of life, my career as an arranger and composer um, is, kind of taking a back seat, not because I'm not using it, just because I'm walking through the doors that are open to me and 
And mm-hmm. right now in this particular season of life, it's a lot of live, live work and studio stuff. Um, but, uh, you know, there, there are a couple, couple projects that I am writing music for and, um, contracting on. So those, those are still there for sure. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's always crazy, honestly. Yeah, yeah that's great. Uh, so what would you say, I want to circle back to, um, just vision and, um, where, what's the driving force for you now? Like, where do you want to see things go? Is there a certain direction or are you just kind of open to possibility on all levels or are you, um, strategically working towards something? Sure. Um, you know, I, I think that, uh, strategically, I, I think my strategy is to continue to say yes to things. Mm, And, um, you know, I have found that I have developed a love for things that used to really scare me because I used to say that being a, the front man of a band or like singing rock or, uh, you know, some of, some of those things used to be like, Oh, I, I can't do that. That's, that's Uh, beyond me. Um, but if I took the chance on it and I did it and I realized like, oh, actually I can do that. And it's a lot of fun. And now I love being like the front man for a rock band for like these wedding gigs or a party band kind of thing. Like it's, it's a blast. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm continuing to stay open, but, uh, I would say one of my, one of my dreams would be to be the, the vocal contractor and arranger for mm. a musical television show, mm. um, which hopefully may be happening soon. Well, who knows? Who knows? Ooh. We'll see. But I would say, I would say that, um, Glee was a massive, um, uh, development of what I, you know wanted to do because mm-hmm. I, I saw those, those people and I loved that music. And at the time, you know, I was, I was in high school. I didn't know like that there was a whole team of people working behind all of the, right. the people on screen. Yeah. Um, and so after I, I learned that I was like, well, that's what I want to do. Like, <laughs> obviously that's what I need. So, you know, it, it, who knows when it'll be that the next Glee comes around, but, um, but I, I would, I would love to be working in, in one of those positions for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, I can see that happening for sure. That's amazing. Yeah, thank you. Yes. Uh, so many disciplines. I mean, to keep, to keep uh, a schedule the way that you do to keep yourself, you know, healthy, energized, and, you know, just mentally in a good space. Um, it, it's a lot, it's, it's a it lot is, of yeah. work. Um, and not to mention all those other things that you're doing. You're also quite an avid content creator too. You, I want to definitely bring everybody's attention to your Instagram and your TikTok. Um, you have an incredible TikTok channel. Oh, thank you. How does that fit into the big picture for you? Do you, are you, um, scheduling, creating that content or do you do it just when you can? It kind of depends, honestly. So I, I haven't talked about them yet, but I am a part of an acapella group called Revoiced. Yeah. And, um, I joined them in, in the pandemic, I think it was May of 2020. And, um, we really hit the ground running with TikTok. And it was kind of like, well, we can't tour. So what are we going to do? 
-hmm. Let's start making videos. And um, that group really blew up. I think we have uh, over 200,000 followers on TikTok. Um, And we, that group has its own like checklist of like, here's what we're doing this week. We got to film these videos, record these songs, mix these songs, arrange these songs. Like we have our little calendar of things that we're doing. Um, And we're banking a lot of stuff. Like we've taken a a brief pause from releasing things so we can get a bunch more videos ready. But I would say in the next couple of weeks, um, we will be back to releasing stuff on a regular schedule, which we're all very excited about. Yeah. Um, So that's that's revoiced for me personally. It's it's very much I'm I'm uh, going by my own inspiration. And when Mm -hmm. I want to do something is when I do it. And when I don't want to do something. I realized maybe my energy is better spent elsewhere than um, turning this into a chore because for me, content is fun. Mm -hmm. It's something that brings me joy. And if other people want to come along for the ride of that, then great. But I'm not making things for other people. I'm making them for myself. And, you know, that uh, is I, I have not turned my content stuff into like a monetization career kind of thing of like, oh, I got to stay on top of these trends and all of that stuff in order to make money. So for me, it's very much still just like a fun outlet yeah. kind of thing. So like just the other day, like I really wanted to, you know, do this uh, Charlie, this new Charlie Puth song. And I was like, you know, what? I'm just going to do it. And we're going to release it. It's going to be great. But Um, like, it's because I wanted to do it, not because I had to for anybody else. Yeah. Yeah. I I know. I think there's, there, there is that maybe assumption behind people getting on TikTok or, or whatever platform that you're, you're just, you're trying to um, get everything that you do to become viral. But I think anybody who knows the heart and mind of creative people that you're really just always constantly trying to find a creative outlet somewhere, somewhere that you can share it. And so they really are these incredible channels that have popped up, you know, in the past few years. Um, And I, and I love that it's kind of leveled the playing field for so many and open doors for so many people. For sure. For sure. That's really cool. Well, tell us more about Revoice. Tell us about the group and um, what you're all working on. And and um, I could see by your post that you're all traveling a lot. Or, or are you? Yeah. No, they're actually they're on a cruise right now. I couldn't go because I, I have other gigs lined up this week. But they are all on a boat, I think, um, around the Bahamas area right wow. now. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> um, so, well, I actually also recently had a traumatic cruise experience. Oh no. So, <laughs> so um, I wasn't like too upset about not being available, <laughs> but, um, but no, we were, we're recording a lot of content. Um, we do have a new album that is in the works i'm i'm not sure it may it may still be you know maybe six months to a year out but we are slowly working on that um but something that i love about revoiced is that um you know i i've always been an an arranger Mm -hmm. but i have only up until i joined revoiced arranged for live performance Mm -hmm. so i was arranging for groups that i was in or for you know other people's shows but um 
to write for Revoiced really helped me develop skills as a vocal producer and to write for a record versus mm -hmm. to write for a live show. So if it's a live show, it's like, okay, how many singers do you have? We got to do it only for four people and it's got to be, you know, just like this. Whereas if it's for a record, not only does it give you an endless amount of possibilities for what you can do in terms of parts, mm -hmm. but it's also the approach is going to be so different. And, you know, vocally, you might be adding in so many more like breaths and different sounds and, and transitions vocally that you're not going to do live because live, you just want to hit it strong. Yeah. Whereas, you know, studio stuff, you, you have so much more freedom. And so when I've been writing for Revoiced, it gives me, you know, just, I have so many more colors that I can play with and mm -hmm. it's helped me really hone those skills to write for pop artists and to do backgrounds for, you know, these, these pop artists, because I now can do studio work for them rather than just, all right. You know, cause previously, like I, I had done a few things where I took somebody's song, um, mm -hmm. you know, where they have 65 background vocals and it's like, okay, you got three live singers. Yeah. How, what are we taking? What are we cutting? What can we combine these things? And, mm -hmm. um, so now to do the reverse is also really fun. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. And, and so for those who aren't familiar with the group, what is the concept behind the group? What kind of, st what style of music are you doing? Yeah. Who's, who's involved in, in the show and everything? Revoiced is a five, um, person acapella group, all male. Um, I sing, well, we kind of all switch around, but technically I'm singing top tenor. Mm -hmm. And then we have Chris Rossi singing tenor two, uh, Mark Hasman singing baritone, Jojo Atsuedu doing uh, bass, and mm -hmm. Justin Critchfield on vocal percussion. So we have the five guys and um, our TikTok stuff and Instagram, our new album, it's all pretty much like current pop. We mm -hmm. do have some throwback stuff where we'll take like an older song um, and kind of modernize it. But, mm -hmm. uh, you know, our our live show that we tour with, it's a lot of, you know, um, Motown and uh, throwback stuff, the classics, because mm -hmm. um, that's kind of where our market is for our touring. Yeah. Um, but we're, you know, we're slowly inching into the into the modern stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's really where a lot of my passion is. Um, so I, I think I've been a, a bit of a driving force there in, uh, in getting us on contemporary stuff and, uh, trying to, you know, build a sound that stays true to where the group has been. So mm -hmm. the group's been around since 2012, I believe. Um, so yeah, 10 years. Um, and I joined in 2020, 2020. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So they have a big history before, before I joined. And so we want to find a way to honor that while also seeing, you know, what's the next step, what's the next evolution for this group. Yeah. Excellent. I'm going to ask a question about just kind of the background operations of the group. And the reason I'm asking is 
there, the question comes up so often in this business of like, how, how can you manage it all? How can you do all the things? Cause we, we want to do so many things, right. but sometimes it's not possible, especially if you have any kind of exclusive agreement with a group that you're working with. But as you said, they're out there right now on a cruise. So what's that look like for them when, when they have one member, what, what do they do operationally? And then for you, um, obviously they've got a schedule, they have expectations and everything. How do you balance that out with all of the other projects you're doing? How do you make those decisions on what's, what you're going to prioritize and what, what order? <laughs> well, that's, the, that's honestly the name of the game is <laughs> prioritizing everything. And, um, you know, that's, that's going to be true for, for anybody that's trying to juggle things is you have to know what is your number one thing and mm -hmm. that's going to receive your biggest priority. And it, that's just kind of how it is. Um, but so, so right now, um, my, we got a guy to sub in for me who is actually a previous 10 or one in the group. So okay. he's like, he already knows the whole show is great. Yeah. He's available for it. Love it. Uh -huh. Um, but like we will have a roster of subs of people that can do that can sub in if somebody is unavailable for something. Mm -hmm. Um, but to speak to the, the, prioritization, it, it's kind of going back to, you know, you asked, what is, you know, where do you see your career going? What, what's your big dream? Mm -hmm. And for me, I'm prioritizing the things that I know are helping me on that journey. Mm -hmm. Um, and th that doesn't mean that everything else doesn't matter or is, isn't important to me. It's just, that's kind of how it goes. And yeah. if I've got a, session for spider-man i think pretty much everything else is going to calling uh, in that day exactly everything <laughs> else is taken as second fiddle to that yeah but um you know thankfully i feel like pretty much everyone that i work with um understands that that's just kind of how the industry is mm -hmm. and when you're working in a freelance industry which is what being a musician is mm -hmm. um you uh, sign up for that and uh, when you're working with freelancers, you also sign up for that. So mm -hmm. it's kind of it's the name of the game. And um, thankfully, I, it has not been uh, problematic for me in, uh, in any of my working relationships. Yeah, yeah. I know it's, it's I, I have found that it's always important to communicate that to people yeah. who are potentially giving you opportunities so they don't feel as though you're being opportunistic or that you mm -hmm. are taking the higher paying gig, you know, kind of cherry picking things like yeah. that. But when people understand who you are, what you're about, and, and they know, um, you know, because people, they care about their gig, you know, right, 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 they need right. To know who's going to be there, who they can count on and everything. So yeah, I, no, I've found that communication skills are so important yes. in yeah. any industry, but especially in our industry. Mm -hmm. Um, communicating with people that you work for, communicating with your colleagues and your peers. And, um, you know, it, it will get you very far to have well-developed communication skills. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And as independents and people who are constantly having to self-promote and sell yourself constantly, we, we can become very, uh, self, I don't want to say self-absorbed, but, uh, 
you know, our focus is kind of on what our priorities are, what this, what's yeah, going to yeah. mean this to us. But you really do always kind of have to remind yourself that the people that are offering opportunities, their opportunity means everything to them. Hmm. You know, they're, they're not, they're not, um, accommodate or setting things up to, you know, accommodate your yeah. schedule. And so I really having that open, very transparent communication with people, um, can be so helpful. And I think I really only am driving that point home because, uh, talked about before reputation in the business is so important. It's, it's mm -hmm. you know, sometimes it's unfortunate to have to say that, but really, uh, it's so easy to get that, um, that reputation of bailing at the last minute or, you know, yeah. guy or, you know, that, um, yeah, sure. Hire him, but there's a strong chance that, uh, he's going to back out or, or sure. not show up because he's sick. And so, yeah. Well, just, and that's, and that is where those communication skills come in. Cause there are, there's times where I've been that person and there are times where other people have been that to me yeah. of the backing out at the last minute or, you know, mm -hmm. something comes up and you can't do it. But, just for a piece, a small piece of advice for anybody, there is a big difference between I can't do this. I'm so sorry. I'm out. You'll figure it out. And I'm so sorry. This other thing has come up and I really need to, you know, I need to say yes to it. I found another sub who can do this gig that you've already offered me, prepped mm -hmm. him on everything. It's going to be great. I'm so sorry again. Please understand. Um, you know, and then you check in with them after the gig, how to go, how they do, you know, like there, there's yeah. ways to handle a situation like that because it's mm -hmm. not fun to be in, um, for either party. Yeah. Um, but there's a big difference between leaving somebody hanging and communicating that a, a you know, an, un, an unmissable opportunity has come up and, yeah. It's, it's happened to me where I've hired people for things and then they've had to back out at the last minute. Mm -hmm. But if, you know, if you're backing out for something huge or massive, obviously I'm going to be understanding and I'm going to cheer you on as you're doing that. But yeah. if you don't communicate what it is and you're just like, bye, um, then obviously I'm not gonna be happy for you. <laughs> so right. there's, there's, uh, there's ways to, uh, massage those things. And it's important for everybody to be able to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Great point. And, you know, speaking of just life happens, you know, as singers, we get sick. Me personally, I'm sure as everyone can hear, I hardly even have a speaking voice today. I yesterday woke up, have been very under the weather since then, but I had to work last night. You know, I, and my daughters were saying, just tell them, just tell them that you can't come because you're sick. And I was like, well, unfortunately it doesn't work like that. You know, right. as, as singers, if we don't work, we don't get paid and people are counting on us to be there. So there, there, obviously there are times when you just, you have to call it at a certain point. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. but how does that usually play out for you as how do you protect yourself as a singer to, you know, you've obviously got to be pretty aware of keeping yourself healthy and everything. And, um, what do you do the week of a week when you've got sessions stacked on sessions and a live gig here and there, and, and your voice is just trashed. Honestly, it, it's funny because the, it feels like such a basic answer, but it's water and sleep yeah. for me. Like mm -hmm. that, 
it it comes down to the basics of if I don't get enough sleep, I will not sound as good as if I got a full eight hours of sleep and I drank a hundred ounces of water. Yeah. So it's like, that's it. And then, you know, like I, I have a steamer and like I do all the, all of those things, mm -hmm. but for me, it, it really is as basic as, as sleep. And that is, that is the one downside of having the ch Sunday morning church gig because uh, yes. when I, when I finish a gig <laughs> in Ojai at 2am and I have to be at church at 7am camera ready, that is, that is a recipe for disaster, <laughs> but uh, it's the name of the game sometimes. Yeah. You wake up. Why am I doing, what am I doing with my life? Why am I doing this to myself? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, and speaking of, I know I'm going in a lot of different directions with this, but just speaking of uh, vocal health, uh, do you still, um, do you still work with professional uh, like coaches, teachers and everything to kind of keep yourself in shape? Or do you just handle all that business on your own these days? You know, I, I think it's really smart to have a, a voice teacher and a vocal coach and check in with them. Um, I try to check in um, as much as I can. Um, Gerald White is a great one. Um, mm -hmm. I send a lot of people to him. Um, Drew Tablack is a great uh, voice teacher also. Um, so I, I, try to, I try to do that. But a piece of advice that I got in college was you – you have to be responsible for your own vocal development mm -hmm. and you want to partner with people that are more knowledgeable and that can help instruct you. But if you don't have the work ethic to practice on your own, mm -hmm. to feel things yourself of like, how did, how is this working? What is this placement? Um, if you are not feeling that yourself, then there's only so much that a teacher is going to do for you. Yeah. Um, so, you know, while I'm not in like regular weekly lessons or, or anything like that, um, I'm constantly checking in with myself and I have a very, uh, extensive practice regimen <laughs> for, for things. So, yeah. um, so, you know, I, I would say I'm my own vocal coach more than anything else, which is not necessarily the best advice. Go to a professional, <laughs> but, um, uh, that's kind of where, I, where I'm at right now. Yeah. But making the point is great that as a professional, you are still practicing, you know, you don't oh, for sure. just wake up every day and just cruise to the gig. I mean, most of the time there's still, there's still, you know, so much that's going on in the background. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, my, I think my favorite cool. thing to do is when I, when I'm asked to sing a song or, um, for, for any kind of gig is I will make a demo, um, mm -hmm. like it's just a studio demo of whatever it was, um, or is going to be. And then I have that to practice too. And for me, it also just like, ends up being a memorization thing. Like as soon as I record something, then I like all of a sudden will not forget all the words. <laughs> and, um, so Lucky. yeah, well, <laughs> I don't know what it is. It just like clicks for me. But if I, if I didn't make a demo, then I'm like totally screwed. <laughs> so, uh. so that, that usually ends up being my, my process is, Hey, can you sing this song next Saturday? Great. Let me listen to the original. If I don't know it already, let me record my demo. And then I have that to practice along too. Um, Yeah. And people talk about like LA traffic all the time. And I will say the one thing it's good for is practicing. Right. Yes. Oh, that's a good method. I like that. Thank you for yeah. sharing that. Um, 
I just thank you so much for coming and sharing your time and your story with us tonight. Uh, you're such an inspiration and I admire everything that you're doing. Um, always keeping an eye on you on social media. And it's always just, it's wonderful, you know, to see all the incredible things that are happening for you, the things that you're making happen for yourself. Um, so thank you very much for um, sharing yourself with us tonight. Thank you so much for having me, Danielle. This has been really, really fun. Great. I have shared your links um, in the comments. Was there anything you wanted to um, kind of bring our awareness to tonight to promote the, going to the TikTok channels or are there any events we need to know about? You know, uh, most of the things that I that I do are for like private events, but you mm -hmm. can always check out Hour of Power every Sunday morning. Um, it's live streamed on YouTube for free. If you have TBN, it's a, I think it's 6.30 on Saturday nights. Um, so you can usually catch me there. Mm -hmm. um, and then, yeah, my my Instagram and my TikTok are at Connor Smith Music. Mm -hmm. um, come see me at the Disney Junior Dance Party at Disneyland every now and then. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that's... Thanks so much for joining us. If you love this conversation as much as I did and would like to help support the podcast, please subscribe and leave a rating and review. To stay up to date with The Unstoppable Singer and get all the behind the scenes content, you can follow me on Instagram at Unstoppable Singer. And while you're there, please share this episode on your Instagram stories and tag me at Unstoppable Singer. Once again, I'm Danielle Tucker, a professional singer and vocal coach. I've spent the last 25 years crafting a successful career for myself in the music industry and showing other aspiring singers how to do the same. The world needs your voice now more than ever. So get out there and create an unstoppable career.